0: Get into the Word right now. In Ephesians chapter 3, in lesson 14, how we receive. and We've had a little interruption on the past two Sunday messages because of the revelation the Lord gave us about the clarity of how we receive uh, through hearing. So, here we want to back up just a little bit and review, as it says there in your notes. We want to pass and review just a little bit. So let's read, starting with about... Well, the purpose of the church and what he's, he's planning to do, we'll start in uh, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be, know, be known by the church, and we told you that that's through, the word dia, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ uh, Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And we're going to stop right there. We'll trust the Lord that we can get that far in order to pair into lesson 15. But I want you to notice here in verse 12, it says, "...in whom?" And that is who He's talking about, uh, the, the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confidence. As, in, as you see there in your notes, it's the Greek word parisia. There used to be a department store called Parisians. I know there was one in Tulsa. I don't know about Oklahoma City. There used to be a lot of them. And that word parisia means confidence or outspokenness, bluntness, or uh, assurance. In other words, to freely speak. So we have boldness. Now do you see the contrast that he's making with these people against how that used to be in the Old Testament? They didn't have boldness. They didn't have assurity. They didn't have uh, freedom to speak. We actually have confidence, boldness, to actually go before God Almighty. We don't have to go through a priest you know, like they did in the old covenant. You can go direct once you're born again. You have direct access. In chapter five of uh, Romans, the very, f- I think it's the second verse, it says that we have access by faith into uh, that boldness, into the into the actual uh, presence of God. We have by faith we have access. We can access directly into the presence of the Father. And that that brings us to the next word there, the access prosagoge, which means admission or face-to-face entrance. Think about this. I want you to use these. You see, in your in your prayer life, uh, you should be linking it up with the word. Your 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 study in the word and your prayer life should go hand in hand. It shouldn't be a prayer life over here and then the word over here. You should keep the word before you, and as you as you are praying in the Spirit primarily, and, and the Holy Spirit brings things to your mind, it's usually based on the Word that you've already put down in there. And so this access, this confidence, this face-to-face entrance, remember that you are facing God. Face-to-face entrance. You have that confidence, that which be, which is the past process of being completely persuaded or uh, having assurance basically reliance. We, ha- we have confidence because of the boldness, because of the access that we have. So you see there, there is, a, there is a, a subliminal wall that is placed uh, by the world in front of us to make us think that we do not have that kind of access to God. But we do. We, you can go directly to His throne any time that you want to and as often as you want to. He, he loves His children. I mean, after all, our positional truth is that we're seated there right next to Him in Christ Jesus. So why shouldn't we look over there and talk to Papa, if I can put it that way? Amen? So, so that's the kind of boldness that we need, that we have uh, faith in Him. Now, verse 13 says, Wherefore, I desire that ye... In the King James, it's ye, uh, but... In the original text, it's not there. He's not, he's not saying that I desire that you faint not at My tribulations for you. It's that I'm saying, I, I'm praying... Uh, he said, I desire that I faint not at My, at my uh, tribulation, which is the Greek word philipsis. Philipsis means persecution or trouble or it means uh, uh, sufferings. He said, I, he said, I'm praying and believing God basically that I'm not going to give up. Because if you do a study on the life of Paul and what he went through uh, in order to, to do the will of God, it, it's, it's incredible. I, I mean, I'll be the first one to say that I, I ain't got that kind of stamina. I mean, they say that the, the prison, I used to know the name of it that he was in in Rome, that on the lower level, where all of the sewage of Rome traveled through there, that was the lower level of this prison. And the stench was so awful that people on the second floor would die. And he was waist deep at least in this sewage in that prison writing these things from the Spirit of God. So he's saying, I desire that I don't give up. That I do not uh, faint, and, and the word "faint" not is it means to give in to the evil realm. It literally means to be a coward, or to be discouraged, or to grow weary. We know that uh, you know if you've read uh, the 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 uh, portion reading for this course in in the book of Galatians uh, chapter six and verse nine, it says, "Let us not be weary in well doing," and it's the, the word "weary" is the same word ekakeko. Which means to give in to the evil realm. So, so, so that says, let us not be weary. Ek, Ekaeio in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we don't give up, if we don't give in. The word faint is that is the Greek word ekluo, which means to just. It's a picture. I hate using this because it's. But it's the picture of somebody's shoelaces un, un, undone and just left flopping around. So, and that's you know, fainting is just giving up and just letting everything loose. And so he says that if we will not faint, if we will not give up and give in to that evil realm, we will uh, obtain. We, you know, we we will reap in due season. But notice how important it is. We have the choice to either give up I've given up many times in my life I have given up and, and and I know good and well had I had I pressed on and pressed in I would be in a different place today I would be in a different uh, uh, setting with God but because I gave in to it because I gave up that's why I'm saying I cannot comprehend uh, going through the things that the early church went through uh, if you ever want to go ahead and get the six volumes of the real uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. There's six volumes. And what those people went through is unimagin- unimaginable. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just completely beyond our comprehension to understand what they went through. I mean, let me, let me choose something that really affected me when I read some of them. Uh, for instance, one man was put on a stake and a fire was built underneath him. This happened a lot, but in this particular case, the fire, it was a slow-burning fire, and it began to, of course, burn his feet and legs, and it burnt them to the place where the, where the, it was turning his fat into oil, and that oil dropped into the fire and made it burn more. And guess what this man was doing while this was going on? Pray, singing in tongues. And so that was the case. Uh, they endured such hard, hard things because they walked after the Spirit. And that ought to be a lesson to us. There's nothing that man can do to us that God cannot help us in the midst of. So he's saying, he said, I, I, I don't want you to be discouraged uh, because of the sufferings that I'm going through. Because they'd heard what happened, what was going on in his life. And he ultimately lost his life. Because as I've said here before in this class and others, their main view was to die well, die a good death. Don't die as a murderer. Don't die as a thief. Die as a righteousness of God and suffer for His namesake, you see. So that, that was one of the things. And then he says in verse 14, for this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this cause, actually 10 and 11 that we read, that was the cause of what uh, he he said the, the reason the church is here is certainly because we are the vehicle, we are the one that God is using to take his revelation to not only the world, but to the principalities and powers that we might make known unto them the manifold wisdom of God. For so that is the cause. So he is bowing his knees, and and actually it's 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 bended. The picture is bended knees. And anytime you see this statement, it means it's very very serious. It, you know he was he was down on his knees in prayer. The posture that he was he he was just laid out. It it's similar to what Jesus went through when he was going into the garden to pray before the crucifixion and it, and you can you can read all three accounts there and each one of them in the gospels in the in you know mark matthew mark and luke they tell or maybe john they they tell the posture that jesus had when he approached his prayer and it said that he dropped to his knees that's where it used that he fell upon the word fell is the same word here bow he he was on his knees And then at one point he got down on his face and stretched out when he was in deep intercession. That was his posture. So this this prayer that Paul is about to get into here in in verse 14 is said to be the most beautiful of all of his prayers. I have a course that I do on all the prayers of Paul and 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 I love this one the best when i when I really need to start praying things over me I'll turn to this and start reciting this prayer over my own uh you know in my own life now he says i'm I'm bowing my knees for this very cause, this very reason, also verse one, remember he says the same phrase he said for for this cause i paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles." and and he and he, gets, he starts it off that way talking about this prayer. He said I am bowing my knees unto the father of our lord Jesus Christ. And the word unto here as I've put here in your notes is face to face. It means to lean toward or lean into. In other words, this word pros, p r o s is a worship word. Interestingly enough, that word Cross can literally be translated uh, to kiss the face of God. So think about that next time you need to start worshiping God. Don't wait on Mr. Flesh to get involved because he doesn't like to do it. He has no feelings about it. But I'll guarantee you once you enter into that kind of a presence and begin kissing the face of God with your worship, it's going to feel good, and Mr. Flesh is want to get one. He's want to get get in on that, and so, but but it takes some pressing in to do that. So so it means to lean forward. So get into God's. He's getting into God's face for you. Paul says, John one one. The word was with God. That word with is the word pros, face to face. Ephesians six eleven. Stand against. We'll get in that I think it's about verse uh, excuse me about lesson twenty two we'll get into this really really deep, but standing against the word against is face it's pros you know it's face to face in other words, face the situations head on is what he's indicating there in that chapter in other words, don't be afraid. I was reading a story of a of a of a man that uh I, I think quite a lot of uh Graham Cook and he was talking about he got on a plane and sat beside a man and the man found out who he was. This is a nice dressed businessman. The man found out who he was, you know, that he was a minister. And he said, I belong to a, uh, I think he said a coven. Uh, and he said, we pray constantly against you. And so Graham said, hey, let me hear it. And so the man sat there and, and he said his voice changed, his eyes changed. And he kept locked into his eyes, and the man began lambasting him and telling him all the bad things that you know that his ministry is going to die and he's going to die and I mean all anything you can imagine. And so he said, "That he said is that all you've got?" (laughs) And the guy said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, he said the the word tells me that whatever the devil says and arrays against me, God's going to bless me and all these things. You know, it's going to just not come to pass." So the man got up and moved. But, but what, what, what we need to understand here that we need to face life face to face, head on. Do not be afraid. That's one of the things as I remember being a young minister, I was always uh, moved by people's expressions whether they, I was being approved of or not. And, and still, sometimes if I see someone get upset about something I say, it, it affects me. But the Lord told me, He said, don't be dismayed at their faces. And so that's the way we need to face life is that face it head on, face to face, and the power of God will be there for us. And then He says something interesting. He said, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father. It's the Greek word pater, which means parent, means father, expresses relationship uh, as a founder or or an ancestor or an author or a source. So that word Father then, He's he's coming face to face with Father. And notice the next verse. Of whom? Of this Father. Now I want to read a little something here about a little little more about the word Father, the name Father. Uh, The word family is an unfortunate rendering of the Greek patria. Our English word, takes its derivation from the lowest in the household, familias, the servant or the slave. The Latin familia was sometimes used uh, of the household servants and sometimes of all the members of the family under the power of the pater familia. But the idea of patria is Hebrew, a group or class of families all claiming descent from one pater, father. The twelve tribes of Israel, for example. Joseph was one of the house and lineage uh, you know, of David, the family of David, the patria of David. The word occurs in Luke 2, 4, Acts three twenty five, and Ephesians three fifteen 15 here, and denotes a clan all descended from a common stock. To supply this, God has many families in heaven and earth, both in this age and in that which is to come. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of that, but what I wanted to say to you here, that this thing about our family of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named is not just talking about you and I it's not talking about the church of the lord jesus christ on the planet or the church of the jesus christ in heaven which is we're part of that family but he has other families see he and and that's where we we're drawing from this when we read about the principalities and powers and all those those are those are descriptions of family-like beings. So it's not just us. Father is the originator of it all, everything. There is no power that is not of God. There's some of the powers that fail, but they still came from God, you see. So we are all part of, the, of whom hold the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. That means that we came out of. It's, it's the Greek word ek, out from. That we, we have, think of this, we have a supernatural origin, a supernatural origin. We have the nature of God. We don't just have, I mean, he's not just a companion. We have, we have his nature. He is our father. He is, our, he is the originator. We came from him. The whole, the word whole here is passant. Every single person, no one left out. The whole family, as I said, patria. That which is like the pater, the father. In Luke chapter 2, in verse 4, we have Jonas, Joseph, rather, the lineage of the family of David. And then he says in heavens. Notice that's plural. In the heavens and on earth. Actually the word on here is actually there. On earth, in heavens and on earth, it's singular. So these, I think in heaven in Hebrews 12:1 says that we are wherefore seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And then we have another reference for that uh, over in uh, Hebrews 13, I think, where he's talking about the spirits of just men made perfect. That's when they were taken from below the earth, when Jesus descended and raised all the saints of God with him. Those spirits were made perfect at that point, just like ours are at the new birth. So he says, in heaven. So the cloud of witnesses. Now let's turn to Colossians and look at chapter 1 here real quick. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start with about verse, I think it says 15 there in your notes, doesn't it? Yes. So, let's read this. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For in Him were all things created that are in heaven... And that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him, actually through Him, all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, uh, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Now... This thing here in, in Colossians chapter 1, I want you to look at this in verse 15. I've got it written down there for you. The, the word image. It's the Greek word icon, which means a representation, an archetype, a signet ring. where that they, they, you know, The manifestation of the hidden things. where that when, when a king would, would uh, put his approval on something, he had a signet ring where they would press into clay or whatever and get that image. But verse 16 says that we are in Him. That's in the locative tense. We are in Him, literally, creation is dependent upon Him. It's in heaven, invisible, on earth, visible, through Him and for unto Him. In verse 17, He Himself is before all things, that is in time, He's before all things, and through Him do all things sunaskaken, adhere. Stuck together. Remember the little thing I told you about the quark that the scientists discovered. They did, They found a substance that holds everything together. Well, Jesus is that substance. Verse eighteen, head of the body. Uh, that it means. That means the beginning, the arch, the originator, the firstborn from the dead. Uh, and Acts two twenty four is talking about that, the birth of those that are that came from the dead. And notice here, in, in, he says, is named. Onamazo, that means cloned. Ephesians five one tells us, you know, it, it re- refers to that. We we literally it tells us to be imitators of God, uh, followers of God, as dear children, imitators. So li- literally, we became that name. See if that gets out on the street tomorrow, somebody's going to say that preacher's up there telling them that they're Jesus. No, we are of the name of the Father. Whatever he has named, that is what we are. Amen. And I'm telling you, no, no matter in everything that we face, every problem, I put a little blurb like it on Facebook today. E- everything that we face, every problem we encounter, a lot, because of who we are, along with that comes the answer, the deliverance of that problem. We, in, notice that. We cannot be tempted. Above that we're able. We can't, because with that comes the ability to overcome that. And I said in that little thing, it is that sin, temptation begins with us. Doesn't begin with the devil, it begins with us. And the devil was tempted Jesus. Was, was Jesus bad? No. But he was, he was capable of being tempted because of, of the body that he lived with. So that word, onomazo. We became in that family. Our Father is love. God is love. So that's what we are. We are love. We don't always depict that, but that's our identity. That's who we are. We have the family name. It indicated the possessing all the rights and responsibilities of belonging to that family. Then in verse 16, he says, I like to put the word S-O in front of this, So that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. So this is the purpose. This is the verse sixteen. He says, "So that he would grant." That's the purpose. In order that didomi. Here, the Greek word is a little is different than the word didomi. It means the same thing. It comes from the root word doe. D o e. And that means to hand over slowly a little bit at a time. Uh, In other words, it's a gracious bestowal. Now what that does is that as we will seek the face of God and commune with Him and pray and get into His Word. Remember what the Holy Spirit's first job is? To lead us into all the truth. That's the Word of God. So as we get before the Lord and pray and study in His Word and meditating it and reading it and all that, the Holy Spirit begins line upon line here a little, there a little, little. Precept upon precept. That's how revelation comes. Now, I was talking with Jan Butler today because I really have nobody that I can just bounce stuff off of. Because I want to, I want to be right when I tell you guys stuff. I, I, you know, I have to stand before the Lord and, I, and plus I don't want to lead anybody astray. I have led people astray before. Oddly enough, it's hard to get get them back. I don't understand that, but it's hard. I know a family right now I'm thinking of that that went off the deep end over some things that I said, and they are convinced that they're that it's revelation from God and it's not. So I called Jen today, Jan today to ask him about that little revelation the Lord gave me on the twenty fourth you know that I mentioned Sunday and the and the last you know about the the holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said, actually, it's better to put it this way. My spirit said by the Holy Spirit that he said, did you ever notice that the devil didn't speak to Adam? And so when I told Jan that, he got excited because he's been sharing some things and some revelation that I've been meditating on and I got a revelation on that. And I said, isn't it interesting that you have to get one level of revelation about something before you can get the next one? And he said that he had never seen that either. And we've read it. How many times have we read Genesis and never, never realized that? So I, I felt so relieved that what the, the Lord said to me was true. It, w- it was definitely God. So that, that's what I wanted to indicate here that He would grant us. Think about that. It's like a father graciously granting his children the things that they need and the things that they want and the things that bring them joy and peace in life. That, that's the picture we have of our father. And that's why he said that he may grant, that he may hand over to you a little bit at a time what you can handle, what you need to, to grow with right then. The, the Lord does that for you. Now in Second Timothy, there's a typo on your page there. It's Second 2 Timothy 2.7. Uh, it says... I want to go ahead and read that. I need to turn over there to that. 2 Timothy 2 and 7. Look at, look at this in my Bible. All the things that I've got written down. See how hard it is for me to pick up on the middle of a verse? So verse 7... He says, consider what I say and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. I mean, what a statement. Consider. It's the Greek word noia. Uh, It comes from the word nous, which means mind or intellect or uh, it means to assimilate. In other words, to consider, to think about this, to ponder, to meditate on this. Examine until you have understanding. That's what he meant when he said consider this. uh, uh, And the Lord will give thee. The word is the same word. Doe. He will give thee. He will give you the same as the above verse. Didomi. Understanding. Which is the Greek word sunesis. Which literally means revelation knowledge. It's an equivalent word for revelation knowledge. Now think about that. Shoumaiikos. This whole course that we're doing, and, and, and it bothers me that we don't have a full class because it's so important to grow in the things of God. It's so important so that we can all start walking in these arenas that the Lord has preordained for us to walk in. Notice this then. Uh, back in the Ephesians, it says, according... well. Give the understanding in all things. Now let's go back over to Ephesians. That the, that the uh, verse uh, 15. I in shoot, I'm in chapter 1. It was making sense, but not the right kind. Verse 14 again, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, so that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. According, cada, every fact set down in order, all of it. That comes off what I was just telling you how revelation comes. How the Holy Spirit steps you through your training in the Word of God. It's never a little bit over here and a little bit over there. It's built just like a brick wall is built. One line upon another. You can't go ahead and lay the next row of brick without that row on there first. It works exactly the same way. So, uh, this word kata is a very, very important word uh, uh, meaning that that uh, it's according to his working, Colossians one twenty nine is a, is a reference for that. According to his the working of his power, every fact set down accordingly. It's like we use the word, uh, you know, we say the gospel according to Mark. That means kata. That means Mark set down in order everything about the Lord Jesus that he knew, and that's that's what he's talking about there. So, in uh, he said according to the riches. Of his glory. There's that word Plutos again. Plutas doxos, the riches of his glory. The you know the the, the the riches that God has is beyond our comprehension. It's more than enough any time we need something, it's always packed full of the answers that we need. Now let's flip over to Second Corinthians chapter three and verse seventeen. We're going to start reading in the middle of a concept here, but nevertheless, he says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So you see, we're changed it's the Greek word uh, That you know, as uh, verse 18 said here. So when, when, when we are transfigured or transformed, "metamorphu" means there is a physical transformation. Meaning that these revelations that you've been getting from God is starting to affect your outside man, your outside walk. Well, I'm going to need to cover something here. We have a body, a physical body in this world, in this earth. That body carries with it the authority to function in this world. Without that, you can't. If you don't believe me, go to the graveyard and start talking to some people. They will not hear you. But as long as this body is alive, walking around it has a certain amount of authority. Now, this, this gets into a little bit of the sovereignty uh, doctrine that people try to, to say that God can just do anything He wants to, but He can't. So, the way that the, the Spirit of God has to get to us, it, He has to get approval from our body, from our flesh. We have to cooperate with Him Or he can't get anything to us if we don't take authority over this thing that we're living in and force it to do what God wants us to do. He can't do anything with us, because you see that is the character and nature of God. God is not a manipulator. He cannot force you to receive anything. Well, here's here's some key to your meditation and, and your study. The Holy Spirit has the same attribute. He cannot force you to understand. You have to cooperate. Well, guess what? Your spirit has the same attribute. Unless you rise up and take authority and make your body obey, it will not obey. And you will not have revelation knowledge. It keeps us. Now, the enemy knows this about this. He, he know, this is his arena. This, this flesh that we live in is his arena. It, it's, it's the base of his operation. And because of our flesh, uh, He knows that He can lure us away with things, with responsibilities, with whatever it may be, just to keep us out of God's Word. Because He's afraid that if we get into God's Word, we're going to grow up and know that He is a, a defeated slave out of work. Amen? Amen? So let keep that in mind while you're studying that when the, when, when the responsibilities of this age come before you and you say, I just don't have time. But listen, one thing that, and I don't mean this wrong. I, I know that people that work and all this, you know, are limited on their time. I, I realize that and God knows that. But one thing that we all have time for is failure. When we're sick in the hospital, we have time for that, don't we? So what we need to do is learn to prioritize and, and in our life. I mean, all of us have 168 hours a week. We need to prioritize what we're doing with it. We should spend a lot of it meditating on the things of God. Keep the Word of God going into our minds. Think about it. Meditate on it. Read it. And pray in the Spirit all the time. If you're not, like this brother said the other night, if you're, not, if you're not eating or talking, pray in tongues. Because it'll just get you into a habit of that. And then all of a sudden, one day out of the blue, the Holy Spirit will just ding. And you've got an understanding about something you've wondered about a long time. Happens to me a lot. It's because I'm giving myself more to that. Remember what I said the Holy Spirit told me when I came here? He said, you have given me now what I've needed in order to place you in the ministry. And I gave him that, you know, the hours of, of tongues that I'd prayed in because I prayed myself into the will of God he had for me. Now, Romans 12, two, When your mind is renewed, you take on his attitude, his view, and his opinion. In other words, that's what the Greek word metamorpho uh, uh, gives us to understand. We are in transformation. We are transformed. Matthew 17 verses 1 and 2 is talking about the transfiguration when Jesus was on that mountain. Remember? And he took John and James and John with him. Uh, I I think it was just now. I can't remember. Anyway, he was transfigured before them. That's the same picture. Same word was used. Transfigured is the Greek word metamorpho. So when we, uh, Romans 12, 2, be ye therefore transformed through the renewing of your mind. And again, it's not your natural mind; it's enmity against God. Your natural mind can't be transformed; it can't not be renewed. It's your spiritual mind that, when, you're, when you when you when your your spiritual mind is renewed, you begin to act out, or literally, tra- you're transformed into that revelation. Does that make sense? You're tra- you, you, you you start walking it out. In other words. It becomes reality to you. So that word to be uh, literally there is the result of being in his glory, in his, in his presence. And notice the th- next thing he says there in that verse. He says that you would be strengthened, which means to fortify or brace or invigorate by his, with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now notice Luke 151. This is called, this is hymnic literature. Hymnic literature was actually a song that they sang. And that Luke, Luke uh, one fifty one is the song that Mary sang. You can turn over there and read it and put any kind of uh, tune to it you want to. But that was the song of Mary. Uh, and in uh, the Scripture, chapter 1, verse 19, same thing here in Ephesians. So he says that you are to be strengthened. Kratos. Kratonethani is the word, it's a a derivation of the word kratos. But it's the power, kratos, listen to this. Kratos, when you're strengthened, you literally have the power of reproducing yourself. That's that's an element of that strengthening that's been left out in a lot of the process of Christianity, uh, thinking that, uh, well, you know, we just be strong. Well, actually, it's God's will that you reproduce yourself. In other words, you're going to get other people born again. And, and, and I want to I give you a little uh, uh, idea. In, in John 5, 26, it says, For as the Father hath life in Himself, so hath He given the Son to have life in Himself. And so, so the natural generation of that would be That if you and I are sons of God, we have life within ourselves. Jesus simply walked this earth in a human form and gave the life of God to people that he met. And that's exactly how it happens with us. We've just not had confidence in it. We've not had that kind of a boldness. We've thought, well, you know, it's not me. Yes, it is you. Jesus didn't say go and pray for him to heal the sick. He said go heal the sick. So we've, we've pushed that off because of our insecurities. Our, you know, we've not really been secure in our identity in Christ. Now I don't mean, you know, you can take and run with that and, and create some bad doctrine with that. But we have the life of God in us. And this is what Paul's trying to tell this church at Ephesus and us by virtue of, uh, you know, a couple of thousand years is that we have, this, we have this opportunity to give life to people if we just would do it. Don't stop to ask why. Like I said, Sunday, one of the reasons that the miracles and signs and wonders have waned in the past, you know, hundreds of years is because people heard so much of what they could not do. Well, you know, you need to let the Lord. No, the Lord wants us to take our place. The Father hath life in himself that he's given us to have life within ourselves and we can give that life to others. God so loved the world that he gave. And we're to love the world so that we can give. Amen? Just impart that to people. You say, "Well, what if it don't work?" Don't worry. The reason you don't you ask that question is because you're afraid that you're going to be embarrassed. <laughs> I've prayed for more people that didn't get it than did. But I'm not going to quit. Amen? I don't know why. It's not mine to know why. The Lord will let me know, you know, if He wants to. But He said, you need to be strengthened with this life, uh, you know, th- that is in God, uh, in might, in the dunamis, the power of reduce, reproducing yourself, the power, the infused strength, the explosive ability. It's beyond the realm of natural man, as I've put here in your notes. It's the same as Acts 1.8. You shall receive power, dunamis. We in American culture think of that uh, in terms of dynamite. uh, The word dynamite comes from dunamis. But basically, it is the power of reproduction. That's what took place on the day of Pentecost. They received power from on high for reproduction. God wants sons of God in the earth. He wants us to go and tell the message. Amen? Amen? Now notice this. Paul said in Romans chapter 22... He said, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, didn't he? But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, this is what I wanted to say to you about the inner man, the one in the middle, that which constitutes the personal rational self, literally the real you. This inner man inside you is the part that's born of God. Uh, Peter calls it the hidden man of the heart. That hidden man inside you, it lives in your heart. That's the real you. That's the spirit. And he says, that's the one that constitutes. So, you see, we don't have a skin deep anointing like they did in the Old Testament. You know, we like to tell the little stories to kids about Samson and what all he did and the great things he did. But his anointing was skin deep. Moses had a skin deep anointing. That's why that when he came down off the mountain, you ever read the story? When he came down off the mountain, the brightness of his appearance was so that he had to cover it up uh, because the people couldn't look upon him, see? Well, his anointing was skin deep, but the anointing that you and I have is inside our spirit. It's covered in flesh, but once we get that flesh out of the way and subservient to the will of God in our hearts, I'm telling you, that light's going to come forth. It's going to be so radiant and so powerful. Now, in verse 17 here in Ephesians, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, that's where we're going to take up next week, but I wanted to say this to you about that. The word that Christ may dwell in your hearts. You say, well, if I'm saved, he's dwelling. That word, katoy kesai, is the Greek word for dwell. It literally means to be settled in. It means to be comfortable. Uh, if, uh, if you come to my house, I want you to be comfortable there. I have my little granddaughter here with us, and, and she has no apprehensions whatsoever. She's comfortable. She opens the refrigerator, she looks in the cabinet. she does whatever she wants to do because she is comfortable and that 's the idea behind Katoi Kesai that Christ may dwell in your hearts that means to, to be comfortable in that he has free reign that, that, that this power and this this wonderful presence that is in us be comfortable, be at home in see Katoi Kesai. Uh, Dwell in your hearts by faith. In other words, uh, the things that Paul is teaching us here about how we receive from God is is in order that we may be the church that He's called us to be. That's why sixteen and seventeen both said so that, so that, or in order that. That uh, and, and, and then uh, Colossians one twenty nine, according to His working, which worketh in me, worketh mightily in me. Now, to end this, let's go to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. I like preaching on it. But we're just going to read this for you and draw some analogies here. The word blessed here in the Hebrew means someone who is supremely blessed. It's sort of like the Beatitudes. If you've noticed, anybody read my newspaper articles lately? I'm I'm getting into the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, that's people that are blessed. So he says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree... Planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth fruit, that brings forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So that's what what I'm trying to frame for you this evening more than anything else is that we need to plant our roots deep in God's Word, in His presence, in our prayer life so that we will start manifesting the fruit that is already in us. You know, these fruit trees, I know we have a few mulberries this year, not many like we had last year, I think because of that frost or something. But But... I've not once driven by that mulberry tree and watched it shiver because it was trying to produce. It doesn't have to strain, does it? It just does it because that's what it does. Well, that we are the planting of the Lord. We are trees of righteousness. And the Lord wants us to produce the fruit of righteousness in our lives. But it's got to come as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now next week... I know the notes are going to be very short, but it's a message that I've done many times and we want to really get into that for you about being rooted and grounded in love. And with that picture, what I just shared with you about Psalm 1, I want you to meditate and think about that and read, read a lot about that. Really meditate and see what the Holy Spirit will give you about it. So being rooted and grounded in love. That, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. That we be rooted and grounded. I can't wait to tell you what those two words the picture that it plants for us. Hope you enjoyed it tonight.